Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that gets you smarter, faster on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Pramack. On today's show, big tech heads to Capitol Hill and the media story that should be getting everyone's attention. But first, Nike breaks the internet. Stutter step move, Kaepernick breaking to the clear. It's a foot race, and nobody will catch Colin Kaepernick. Touchdown on a 90-yard run. Last night, the sneaker maker revealed that former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick will be one of the faces of its 30th anniversary marketing campaign with a tagline, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. In a surprise to no one, including Nike, the news was greeted with loud social media cheers and jeers. So for those who believe Kaepernick is fighting the good fight for racial justice when taking a knee during the national anthem, Nike's a corporate hero. For those who believe he's disrespecting the flag, it was a villain, with folks posting videos of burning shoes and otherwise destroying Nike gear, and one guy who cut the swoosh out of the socks, even though that's how you hold up socks. So from a business perspective, it was a kind of fascinating decision. First, the obvious thing about taking a polarized political stand. It might make total marketing sense for Nike, given the demographics of its consumer base and the unique nature of sneaker culture, but plenty of companies have shied away from doing anything that risks a Trump tweet, no matter the business case. So no matter what your point of view is on this, Nike is certainly displaying courage in its conviction. Also, remember, Nike has a long-term relationship with the NFL. In fact, it just re-upped for huge money back in March. And Kaepernick isn't just a love him or hate him icon. He's also the plaintiff in a collusion lawsuit against the NFL. So this is biting the hand that feeds and then spitting it out and stomping on it. One really has to wonder how this decision will impact future partnerships for Nike, which maybe is why its shares are down a couple percent this morning. It's all, in a word, complex. And that's why how it ultimately plays out for Nike and for Kaepernick will be studied not only by other apparel makers, but really any consumer-facing company as they try to adjust to this new world in which politics, culture, and business have become intertwined. So years ago, I used to occasionally mention something political in my daily newsletters. Some readers got angry. Stop writing about politics in a business newsletter, is what they wrote me. They don't write that anymore. In a moment, we'll be joined by Darren Ravel, ESPN sports business reporter. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Darren Ravel, ESPN sports business reporter. And Darren, last night you had this tweet which kind of went around the world, and you said Nike's been paying Colin Kaepernick all along, waiting for the right moment. That moment is now. Why is that moment now? Why was this when Nike was waiting for? Well, you know, it's been interesting, Dan. If you, if you look at the history of Nike, they've often waited and kept people on, been scared to sever relationships unless there was a bunch of pressure. Nike's kind of following that guidance and that lead. And I think it's a little bit safer for them as a company to make social and political statements as athletes become more interested in making these comments. In terms of Nike, how much of that is based on demographics of who Nike buyers are? In other words, you know, you said society coming around, but clearly society is pretty divided on Kaepernick. Is this Nike saying in part, our buyers or who we hope to be our buyers and our customers, they're on the side of Kaepernick here. The other folks, those aren't really our people. Yeah, I think when the Nike clearly did the math here, right, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders, to their shareholders, to, to make sure that uh, they're making the right decisions. And, 
You know, I think the people who say this was a dumb scenario for Nike to kind of think through and then and mess up, they don't realize who their buyers are. You know, that so many of their buyers are under 35, that they've been targeting with this campaign, you know, 15 to 17 year olds. So they're skewing very young. And I think they feel like the people who make the statements who are burning the shoes and putting out things about, you know, that they wouldn't buy a Nike pair again are not really where they are. I think there is some loss here. Um, I put out a poll last night on Twitter, and 21% said they they would buy fewer Nike products as a result of this. 29% said they would buy more, and half said that they would stay the same, that it was not affecting them. Do you believe when someone answers a Twitter poll that they say, I'm not going to buy Nike products? Is that fleeting? Yeah, I mean, Twitter polls are very difficult. Obviously, the the biggest part is opt-in bias, and polls, as we've come to learn, I think (laughs) we're more skeptical now than ever before. I think the world that we live in right now, Dan, is is interesting. What I'm thinking about today is, you know, what is the truth and does the truth matter? So it used to be that, okay, no, Colin Kaepernick is not protesting the national anthem. He's using the national anthem as a stage and his position as a football player in 2016 to draw attention to racial inequality and police brutality and that kind of thing. Does that matter for Nike, Darren, in in the sense of, you're right, Kaepernick wasn't protesting the flag. He wasn't protesting the the country even in, in that sense or the anthem. But if enough people believe he is, that is the bet Nike's making. That's what exactly what I'm saying now, that that we now just like the polls, we now live in a world where it actually the truth, right, the truth doesn't matter. Right. It's just how people feel about it. And it doesn't matter what his truth was that led him to do this. So, yes, you're right. It doesn't. But again, I think Nike made this calculation. We see, at least in the early going, that the stock is down commensurate to the market and certainly to Puma and Adidas stock. Let's not, at least in the early going of Tuesday, let's not pretend that the stock's down 8 percent while the market's up. It's also worth noting we can't find banks so far, and, and admittedly we're early, we can't find bank analysts to talk about this really yet, though, not loudly. They don't want to go on camera. If I were an analyst, I'm not sure, again, they're, they have to stick to the numbers, and I think this is a very, very complex thing to talk about. I mean, this is, a, this is an extremely complex thing to talk about, and I don't think we know. I mean, all we know is yesterday they owned Labor Day, and it was what everyone was talking about. And we saw the video of people burning shoes and burning stuff and people saying they were never going to buy a Nike product again and then people supporting it. I don't think we know yet how this is going to shake out. And then the question also becomes, is this it, right? So is this the end of it? There was a suggestion that I have not been able to confirm that there is a so-called new deal that makes a Colin Kaepernick shoe, something I'm skeptical of, and a whole bunch of Colin Kaepernick products. So the question is, how much does Nike have planned? How much is in the can? How much have they talked to retailers? How much are they going to do now? And how does the reaction that they've seen influence that? Speaking of who they talked to, to your knowledge, do you think either back in March or at least last week, did the NFL know that this, this Kaepernick thing was coming? I don't know the answer to that. I would assume, given how big that deal is, that they would have had to get a heads up it puts them in a very uncomfortable situation, obviously, because they're, they're, they're fighting Kaepernick in this, in this collusion case. There's one more thing to mention here, which is that, you know, it's not necessarily clear that the 
verbiage in the ad is true, right? So, like, although Colin Kaepernick's collusion case is allowed to proceed, and it's very possible that he could prevail in that if a judge simply says, well, yes, it, it is uh, the part, one party and another did decide, whether it's the NFL, another team or two teams or whatever, to keep him out. There is a group of people who say that he voluntarily did not sign with who he really was given the opportunity. And so, you know, there is a question as to whether the ad itself is truth. And that's, again, that's another discussion, but it's all very complex. Nike knew this. I know that the one thing I can share is since I did know that it was going to hit, I can share that there was really very few people knew. This is almost like a an M&A deal. Very few people knew about this, the exact timing of it, when it was going to hit. Very few people relative to what the amount of people that normally know for a campaign of this size. Darren, bottom line for you, and, and I know it's a tricky question, but I have to ask, if you were Mark Parker, the CEO of Nike, Taking everything into account, the the social political aspects here, the NFL relationship, you know, the value to the company, you know, sneaker culture in general, which is different than almost any other consumer product. Would you have made the same decision he made? I would have. I think that being there's a new definition of of being safe. And I think if you look at Nike, I think they've gotten in trouble by being safe in the past. I think they've been safe in their product line. I think that was one of the reasons why at one point five years ago Under Armour emerged. That's why Adidas emerged last year. I think they've gotten in trouble by being safe. I do believe that they figured this out, and they probably made the right call here. Thank you very much, Darren Ravel, ESPN sports business reporter, who you can find at Darren Ravel on Twitter. My final two after this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now back to the Pro Rata podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is that Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg will both be on Capitol Hill tomorrow, where they're expected to argue that they've learned their lessons from 2016 when it comes to foreign interference on their platforms. Then Dorsey alone will head to a separate House hearing about alleged silencing of conservative voices on his platform. In that hearing, Axios has learned that Dorsey will come armed with a new analysis that found that when controlling for outside factors, tweets from Republican and Democratic lawmakers were viewed essentially the same number of times. But really, Dorsey's data won't matter. Remember, this is about feelings, not facts. And finally, two Reuters reporters have been sentenced to seven years in prison in Myanmar after receiving government documents while reporting on a mass killing of villagers there. The reporters say they were contacted by a police source they hadn't met before, who then gave them confidential documents in a restaurant. Moments later, they were arrested. In other words, it was almost certainly a setup and a chilling reminder that controlling the press is a big part of how authoritarians control their people. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, please be sure to follow us all day at Axios.com and sign up for my pro rata newsletter at signup.axios.com. Have a great National Macadamia Nut Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another pro rata podcast.